0: Show presented by BDG Sports. I am your host, Vince Douglas Gregory. Friendly reminder you can hit a show on iTunes, BDG and Stitcher Radio. Stitcher is radio on demand. Listen anytime, anywhere. Over 20,000 shows to discover and over 4 million car dashboards. Be sure to rate and review the show on Stitcher. NCAA Football Super Conferences rebroadcast. Well, today, uh... Uh, there's four topics I want to talk about. I want to talk about the NBA Finals, of course. Uh, then another hot button issue for the NCAA football Super Conference, or the formation of the Super Conference, if if that's possible, and if if it is, when it's going to happen, this and that. And then uh, Major League uh, Baseball interleague play, and MMA uh let's start with uh, the NBA finals in LA. They pretty much got man handled uh in game four. It was it seemed close here and there, but Boston was the aggressive. They came out and they had fifty four points in the paint to LA's thirty four points in the paint. I mean L A took twenty Three-point shots only had 17 field goals in the paint. And what everybody was saying going into the game was L.A. is the the bigger team. Yeah, so bigger doesn't necessarily make you tougher because what that game showed me, that they're an arrogant team. They were just nonchalant, and they just figured that they could show up, play the B game, and beat Boston and that arrogance made them finesse, well, it's a double-edged sword. It it can either drive them to being aggressive or drive them to want to win extremely bad, or it can just make them say, hey, we've been here before. We can do this, you know? (laughs) That's not the right attitude to have, LA. It, It is not. It's not the right attitude to have. So that just makes me question their toughness. Are is L.A. really physical by nature, or are they Hollywood acting? And I wrote a post on, um, on, uh, are, about uh, L.A., are they physical by nature? And, you know, i was kind of presenting that question. And at the game four, it seems like there was Hollywood acting, and somebody pointed that out to me, too. They said, L.A. is just Hollywood acting. You know, they can just pretend to be tough some games. Here and there, and it can get. And it possibly can be enough to get them by, or as you saw in Game Four, it, it, it won't be enough to get them by. That they're gonna have to actually bring uh, toughness because Boston is a tough team. Boston has toughness, and that and that was witnessed by uh, in Game Four. They came out with this wild intensity and this rec, reckless abandonment, and they just pretty much dominated as far as with the wheel of L.A. And it's like, sure, the game was pro- possibly winnable for L.A., but as you watch the flow of the game and how things went, how Boston was getting the loose balls, how Boston had the players going crazy and stuff, like jumping up and bouncing their chesses and stuff. <laughs> Or received Wallace. Uh, but, yeah, they were just aggressive. They, they It seemed like they wanted it. And, of course, they probably wanted it more. You can't go down 3-1 and expect to win uh, three games in a row to win a championship. That's just That just don't happen in the NBA. I mean, it's the finals for a reason because supposedly it's the two best teams that get there. So you think, you know not going to happen, not going to happen, Fall back 3-1. So Boston kind of – the antenna flew up like, hey, we can't, we can't, we can't. And it was nice to see uh, the big three, uh, you know, have some, some decent games. I think it was, what, 12 points, uh, Ray Allen, um, Paul Pierce, 19, and uh, KG, I want to say – 13 or 15 or so, somewhere up in there. That's was a pretty uh, balanced, balanced game that they had. Yeah, it was, it was, it was real balanced. But uh, Rondo had somewhat of an off game, but that was picked up by, uh, you know, Boston's bench. But uh, a, 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 something that concerns or that could be concerning is uh, Kobe's Fourth quarter woes. He hasn't been able to um, close out games like he normally <clears throat> like he normally do. Is that because he's hurt? You know, with the knee and stuff, he had to have it drained. You know, uh, well, yeah, it, it's just more likely all the injuries that he he he's had throughout the seasons taking a toll on his body and. I guess towards the end of the game, he's, he, he's not being able to, uh, I don't know, get lift on his shots. Uh, maybe Boston is just Boston's defense, but whatever it is, he's not doing what he has to do in the fourth quarter. And that's what separates him from a lot of different players. He is the closer. He's the guy that you want closing out a game for you because he will score, you know, points and he will, Make sure the team is in the game, or or there's a chance to win. They will win it, cause that's Kobe. But Kobe's not being Kobe. He's got these, I don't know something. It's it's something not right. It's it's something not right. But let's give going give Boston a lot of credit too, cause the the defense that they playing, he's take he's taking bad shots. But there's a reason you take bad shots you are taking bad shots because of the, the defense that that's being played on you and you feel that you have to because of your team so it's 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 a combo it's a combination of Boston's defense and its combination of uh uh his team and his team's play and to a certain extent i should say because that's 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 not always the case but to that extent LA's bench Man, LA's bench is gonna is gonna be two, it's gonna be one of the reasons if they lose that's gonna be why. I mean they they pretty much haven't showed up in non existence. Anytime you get outscored thirty six to what was that, eighteen? That's how yeah. Thirty six being uh Boston's bench, Boston bench scored thirty thirty six points, you know, um And uh, L.A.'s bench only had 18. And look who who L.A. have coming off the bench. Look who Boston have coming off the bench. During the Phoenix Finals uh, or Western Conference Finals, uh, everybody was saying, oh, you know, it's the battle of the benches, whoever, this, that, blah, blah, la, la, whatever. And L.A.'s bench pretty much dominated Phoenix a few games. And then, you know, Phoenix bench came around and bounced back. But at the same time, they're not going to be able to win. If the bench don't step up. I mean, because Phil Jackson just called out uh, Bynum, you know, and about his play. And during the Phoenix series, I thought Bynum turned the corner, but, no, it's just Bynum. He had a lucky game, like uh, Amari said. <laughs> he had a lucky game because Bynum is sorry. Excuse me, but dude, sorry. <laughs> sure, he uh, – <laughs> sure he'll do this and that as far as make, you know, a few shots uh, or, have, or have the possibility of uh, of winning a, a game out of, I don't know, 20 or you know, maybe not that bad. About one out of eight, nine, somewhere up in there. But he also have a tendency to I, where is he? He disappears. Is it's it's like he's in it, it, he's not even a shell of himself. He's just out there. Just I don't know. He 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 definitely need to he definitely need to step it up. And then when Farmer and Shannon Brown come in the game, they need to if they're not going to score points, they need to not turn the ball over and they need to play defense. I mean, that's one thing. If you if your bench not going to score points, they better sure as hell. Not give the other team points in the paint or easy baskets or turn the ball over so the other team can get out a fast break. Because cause you need something to just uh, at least keep the game close or not blow leads when your when your bench come in so you so your starters can get an adequate amount of rest. But Boston bench on uh, the other hand, man, you have a uh, big baby Davis coming coming off. He's just doing it, and he's what he's kind of short, only six something. So I don't know. He, and then you have the what five nine uh, Nate Robinson coming in and being uh, a game changer, I should say. Wow, that's yeah. But that goes to uh, back to Boston's intensity, which I was uh, saying earlier. It also goes to uh, their bench just stepping up their business uh, being there and don't they have to do and doing what they have to do it came in for points changed the game not give up extend leads or whatnot so yeah that's that's what they did and speaking of uh nate robinson before everybody goes out and start crowning crowning this guy like the next big thing or he should be getting big contracts, uh and that oh you know, nonsense. The guy had one good game, you know, where he was a difference maker. And sure he scored, you know, what, a ton of points on a bad New York Knicks team. But what decent player can't score a ton of points on a bad, dysfunctional team. The team's bad and dysfunctional for a reason, so you're going to hoist up shots. You don't care. It's it's not about winning. It's about a patting your stat sheet. So, really using how many points he had or what he did coming off that team, it, it really doesn't matter. I think what teams are going to look at as far as the general managers and our coaches that possibly going to add him or want to add him or whatever. They're going to look at how he competes or be competitive or with, uh, you know, a powerhouse team or so they're going to, so basically they want to look and see how he play or how he gels on a team that's a contender and how he plays and, and holds himself. And will he be able to continue doing what he's doing? Because, he, like I say, he did this in one game. That's, this is a small, extremely small sample size. And to just crown this guy or say he this and that, that's that's a huge disrespect to uh, the people in the past that, that, that has done this. And those people uh, are the likes of, you know, uh, Robert Ory, Mario Eli, and... Vinnie the Microwave Johnson, to name a few. Now, does Nate Robinson have an opportunity to fit that mold and be one of those guys? Sure. But he has to do it consistently. He has to be able to come off the bench and be that difference maker and not need that many minutes, like hitting clutch and big shots, like a uh, big shot uh Rob, Robador or uh, or coming in and scoring a ton of points and and not that many minutes like uh, Vinny the Microwave Johnson, or hitting clutch shots again like Mario Alley that he did throughout his career with uh, Houston when they uh, went back to back. So where is Nate Robinson's arrows pointing? I'm not sure, but I think it's pointing up. But he he's, he's still a raw player. He's he's still raw. We. Really don't know, cause like I said, he was in that hot mess, that bad team, bad. <laughs> the Knicks, that team is. Uh, maybe they they just probably need to blow it up and and rebuild it and do something. That team is bad. as – I don't know. I rather I rather see uh, regular people go out and play than watch the Knicks game, or be forced to watch a Knicks game. They that's torture. If you want to torture me, force me to watch the Knicks game. I mean, yeah. So, yeah, Nate Robinson, he's still raw, so he has the opportunity to, to fit in the mold of one of those guys. But he's headed in the right direction. Now, if he can come out and do it in game five and do it in game six, then, hey, you know, there's something there. And if he helps them, and if his plate helps them uh, get over the top and beat LA, then then we can we we, we can start easing him into that category. But he's going to have to do it for a long longer period of time, more than just a few games, and not even a full season. So before we get all crazy and bananas and and running in circles and saying, "Oh, he's the next great big thing!" Oh, oh, oh! I mean, it's a good story. It's a good storyline. It's a, it's a nice route to go, but let's let's just let's just pull back on that for for a sec. Let's just calm down and put things in perspective, and let's look at the numbers, and let's look at you know uh, the comparison to you know other players who have multiple rings and who's who's done it, you know. But L. A. was sure like somebody like that coming off their bench because they, I don't know, they don't. You know, but the thing is they, they, they just don't know and, and not knowing is, is kind of, it's kind of hard, especially being in the finals, not knowing how your bench is going to uh, play. I mean, you expect them to, uh come out and play and do certain things. But if they're not, they're not. But they're going to have to step up even big time if Andrew Bynum is not able to go uh, in game five or he is limited to 12 minutes or less than 12 or not his normal minutes because he, he only played 12 minutes in game four and he was one for two, only had two points. So if he's not able to go and if he gets that kind of uh, point production or they just get no no production out of him anyway, and he's just a body out there. That's that's going to be a huge loss for LA because LA didn't have him back in '08 when they fought, faced Boston. That was that was that was a huge uh, that was huge. They're going to need somebody else to step up. Whether that's somebody off the bench, whether that's Kobe having to score uh, 50 or 60, God forbid, because if he have to if he have that mindset where you have to think that he have to score that many, LA is in trouble. But he is capable of doing it smoothly. But but if he consciously have to think that, that's that's a problem. So they just they're gonna need somebody to step up and 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 uh, give them points. Will it be Odom? <laughs> I mean, that's that's who you would normally think well, can it be our test. Now L A went through most of the season not re- thinking, you know. Really having plays for him, and he just you know getting you know the minimum points here and there, or maybe have a a good game here and there. But they brought him in for defense. They didn't bring him in for scoring. They had Ariza last year, and he was the guy who you know had a shot better and had a you know better three point field goal percentage and and a better percentage, and you know pretty adequate defense, so they would have they would have kept him if they really wanted more offense. So they clearly want the defense when they brought in Artest. So Artest could step up. So if him stepping up is like having, you know, fifteen points, eighteen points somewhere up in there. Maybe uh seven or eight rebounds, you know, who knows? Five assists. Okay, okay, okay. Let me come back down to earth now. We are, I am talking about Ron Artest, uh, Malice in the Palace, uh, superstar. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, but with buying them out, somebody for LA is gonna have to step up and score, uh, some more points. That's, that's obvious. Somebody's gonna have, have to step up. And, uh, next thing I'm gonna talk about is, NCAA football and what the likelihood of a, a super conference or so. Cause I don't know, as you know, Nebraska just decided to go to the big 10. And the reason for that, because there was so much, I guess, other chaos <laughs> going on in the big 12 as far as what, uh there was, uh, what four, five teams at the Pac-10 wanted? There's another team that uh, that uh, the SEC wanted, and yeah, uh but it always never made that much sense to me. With uh, yeah, one conference was the Big Twelve, and you had another conference was the Big Ten. I mean, there's there's a difference. One is like Midwest, and the other one's like. Uh, Southwest, sort of, or west of the Midwest. (laughs) And it's like, okay, one is big, the other is big, right. And then you have the Big East, yeah. Then you have the ACC and, you know, so on. But Nebraska, um, with all the chaos and stuff going on, Nebraska wanted to keep themselves safe. They had an opportunity with the big 10, I think it was some kind of backroom deal. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the likelihood or the possibility of it, but, but maybe there's some kind of backroom deal. Maybe not, but they wanted a for sure thing. And they wanted to be safe just in case the other teams did bolted or joke. And so they said, Hey, we're looking out for our interests going to the big 10. I think it was a smart move, actually, and along with, you know, some other things and how all this stuff's playing out. But the one, but the four, possibly five teams that the Pac-10 is looking looking into is Texas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I mean, but, you know, the last time I checked, the Pac-10 still for Pacific. you yeah. know? Yep, it was like the West Coast, and I don't know, Texas is on the West Coast now? Hmm. Texas Tech, West Coast. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, West Coast. So, what happened to Washington State, Oregon, California? They are, isn't, isn't that the West Coast or Western? Hmm. And yeah, wouldn't a team like uh, Utah be closer west than, say, Texas? Uh that's, uh that's 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 too much. That makes too much sense. That's that's not that's not it. That's not right. No, 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 no. That can't be. Mm, what I'm talking about, Texas and Oklahoma, that is west coast. That is west. Yeah. But anyway. Those four teams and possibly five is Texas A&M, which I think is the smarter of the the other four because saying hey, you no, know, because they, they because the SEC and the Pac-10 wants uh, Texas A&M, the Texas A&M are leaning more to the uh, the SEC because it's Southeastern Conference. Granted, it's not Eastern. But it is, you know, like South, Southern, you know, part. Oh, that much is right. <laughs> and it's, hey, uh, West Coast or South, we're Texas. We're going to do the South thing. Or oh, they're leading to doing the South thing. And if that unravels, maybe then they decide to go West. But travel and those teams playing like the true web teams, that's, I mean, I don't know if they thought of this. I'm pretty sure they have, but that's, yeah, it'd be a good traveling trip for like uh, the players and um, I guess the, the cheerleaders and all other people, that'd be good for them. But Texas A&M, yeah, they, they, they have, them leaning to the SEC is 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 a good thing. I like that because it actually it actually makes sense. SEC, Texas, South, yeah. But the thing about that is, it breaks up, or it has a possibility of breaking up Texas A and M and the rival game that they normally have you know, with the the other teams in the Big 12, them in Texas and whatnot, because they're going to be in two polar opposite divisions pretty much. And that's going to affect the rivalries. So these teams in the Big 12 breaking up and, you know, have the possibility of going different places here, going here, you know, Pac-10, Big 10, SEC or going there. And really and that's 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 pretty much the basis of college football. I know you can create some manufactured rivalries and but there are some true rival rivalry rivalry games and you have true rivals. And have you ever been to those games or have you ever played in a, a rivalry game? It's a it's a whole different animal. It's so much emotion, raw passion. I mean it's 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 everything that you possibly can think it would be times one thousand. That's how that's how big those rivalry games are. And then if both teams are decent good decent or good or uh fighting for a national title. That just that just squared the one thousand. But if both teams are bad, or one team is bad and the other team, you know, is good, it's it's a pain to watch because at halftime it's over, or even before halftime it's over. But uh, and there's few and far in between where the the lousy team would keep it close, and if they do, it'll be over in the fourth quarter. Do keep it close at halftime, and that's just the whole, you know, logistics and the makeup of it. But um, other than the robbery, I like to see where Notre Dame end up because they're not going to be able to hold on to this independent. We're independent. We have our NBC television contract. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're Notre Dame. Yeah, they're not gonna be able to do that or say all that you know crazy stuff and be you know the tough guy because if a if uh say super conferences start to form or the big, the Big Twelve collapse and then other conferences start to uh, uh try to grow and get bigger and add teams from uh say lesser conferences uh. Notre Dame is going to be S-O-L because with those bigger conferences, there's not going to be that many uh, spots in the uh, schedule where you can, where one of those conference teams can schedule a, uh, you know, as far as with have multiple uh, non, non-conference non opponents. Because I think some teams have up to four, but it, with these t- – huge conference, I think, is it probably get down to maybe one or two. And so with that being said, Notre Dame being independent, who in the hell are they going to be playing? Who? Because some of those non-conference games that teams have, they, they play like possibly certain teams so long off that non-conference, and they're going to want to keep – at least one of those certain teams. So that's just going to leave Notre Dame playing the bottom feeders, which they should be doing anyway because they are a bottom feeder themselves. But you let them tell you that they're just uh, a few coaches from being great. And we've witnessed the uh, the turmoil and uh, searching for coaches at the Tyrone Willingham. Yep. Charlie Weiss. Now Kelly, yeah, okay. Let's see how that works out for you in the Notre Dame. But um, yeah, so they're gonna have to make a decision. I would love to see them go to the Big Ten and get smashed, or go to the Big Ten and, and smash Ohio State. Hey, either or, I'm the, you know, it's a, it's a win-win. But yeah, they definitely should uh, go to the Big Ten and and that'll be that'll be good for all all parties in the big ten then hope maybe then they can have like uh a, a conference championship game or so but uh with but with these super conferences or the possibility of it, I think the yeah I'm about to get radical here and just uh, think of the most i don't know. The craziest thing possibly or think of the craziest thing that can possibly happen or they could do which they probably won't do but it, uh, it's just fun to just make something up like Texas going to the Pac-10 <laughs> I tell you wow, that that's never gonna get old but um <laughs> How about this? You have one super conference, and you call it the Big East. Have another super conference, call it the Big South, or the SEC. Hey, whatever. Have another big conference up north, Big Ten possibly, and have another super big conference out west, Pac-10 possibly. So you have four, four conferences. I don't know how many teams you have i them. Just get all the relevant good teams and let the bottom feeders feed off in their, uh, their small uh, existence or whatnot. So you have those four, and those four would be the four to get BCS bids. So then you have one, two, three, and four. Okay. So one would play... Four and two will play three in the games, and then say the winner of those games would play another game, a championship game on a rotating, on a rotating uh, site, whether one year's the Orange Bowl and another year's the Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl, or you know so on. But to get, but to get that one, that BCS one, the BCS two, BCS three, and four, there's a conference championship game, the Big East. So whoever wins a conference championship game in the Big East gets whatever BCS bid, depending on their rankings and strength and all the other crap that the computer make up. Same thing with the the SEC. Representing the teams in the South. Um, The winner of that championship game, oh, and and with the championship games, say uh, every team don't have to play each other. because you can split it up like divisions or whatnot. And you can take the best team on one side, as far as with games won against conference, and the next best team on the other side. And then they can play each other. The championship team gets the bid. So you can do that leading up until um, the the conference championship game, and the conference championship game winner gets the BCS nod. And and there's only four BCS nods: Big East, SEC, Pac-10, and Big Ten, because they're the super conferences and they have you know all these teams. And I guess that thinking about it, I guess that would solve the problem of Notre Dame too that they can possibly stay independent because if the super conference teams don't play, if they don't, if all of the teams don't play each other, because there's so many and you have it split up in uh, two divisions or two, two sides within a division, then that leaves some room to uh, keep uh, some non-conference games for uh the teams in NCAA, so they'll still have uh, opportunity to have uh, their non-conference games where they are uh, still still have, well, they still have the opportunity to, uh, you know, uh, schedule cupcakes or schedule, you know, teams that they normally schedule and have these deals in place and so on. So that'll, so that'll still be there. If, to go that route. So the Big East champion, the SEC champion, the Pac Ten champion, and the Big Ten champion coming from the conference game and playing each other, right? So the winner of one four goes to the neck which goes to the championship game, the true champion and two three champion. And you keep all the other bowl games and all the other bowl games are for, you know, however they set up a, a way to pick it or a mechanism to pick it, to keep that. And then, you know, the, the mid major conferences or the smaller conferences, they have opportunity to go to those bowl games too. Cause if you like, you can just increase the bowl games too. I mean, the whole point behind everything is uh, money. If you look at it, the reason for forming or wanting to form super conference so you can have your own network, uh, television and you want your network television, you want your network television to be spread out, spread out over a large region. So say the teams that you have in your conference are spread out across your area, like, Let's take the Midwest for example. You have from Indiana all the way to Nebraska. That's uh, those. Uh, that's more viewers, that's more people that's going to want this network. That's more people that's going to. So that's it's, it's just money. It's just money. So instead of taking all the bowl games away, this and that, and forming this huge long tournament, just keep the bowl games. Keep them. Money generating in keep the regular and and just have what four BCS teams, but just have another game after that, and that'll be like semi tournament. Four teams, four teams go, go into the the semi tournament, and one team come out as your true champion because one through four, it shouldn't be this huge disparity of Uh, the champion because there shouldn't be pure chaos where the number five team should have been four because they were conference championship games played and that team probably lost. So, so I think that'll fix, that'll fix that problem. And, you know, speaking of problems, Major league baseball interleague play. I have two words. It sucks. It sucks for multiple, multiple, multiple reasons. I don't even know I don't even know where to begin on why or why it sucks. Let's say it dilutes the World Series pretty much because the World Series you have the A L versus the N L. Yeah. That's when I want to see AL versus N L World Series. No, I'm not a peerist, but that's when I want to see it. I don't want to see it during the regular season because nobody really cares. I mean, it, you can say, oh, these rival rival games, this, that. Baseball rival games from one team from another league to a to the other league. Hey, they don't, before this interleague, they didn't play each other like it was the World Series. Make it to the World Series, both teams. And then, then you can call it whatever you want. But I guess they're saying oh this is New York versus New York, Chicago versus Chicago, uh Oakland versus the Giants, oh the fans they care so much about it, uh oh, oh. I think it was actually better that the teams the two teams didn't play. So whether your team was constantly beaten up on so if your team was constantly beaten up on the other team, you still had to you still had the opportunity to say, hey, you know, my team's better because their team didn't play the other team. So both people or both fan groups can keep saying, hey, you know, my team's better than your team. No, my team's better than your team. Now when the two teams play, you can really see what team's better. And you might say that's a good thing, but say one team continuously, continuously beat up on another team, I mean, it, it becomes like second nature. It becomes expected that, obviously, that team, the, the dominant team, when that team's been beaten up on my team, and so it kind of dilutes the dilutes the whole thing. And with the teams not playing, and with the teams uh, not playing, you still have the possibility of the unknown. And I think that possibility of the unknown drove the passion and the excitement even more because your teams didn't play, but you wanted your team, you, but you, you had so much confidence and faith in your team would beat the other team. And then it, it just, it, 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 and it just drove more uh, talking and bantering back and forth. And then say, if both teams did make it to the world series, it'd be that much more electric. It'd be that much more, uh, uh, special and uh, so. So yeah, it, it, the inner league play, it it it, it diluted everything. I mean, it's I don't even know why, because it's it's just it's it's wrong, <laughs> it, it's wrong. I mean, it, I'd rather see more. In division games, you going up against your rival than going up with a playing in an interleague team. Because what's, the, okay, let's say, what's the whole purpose of it? So teams that normally play each other can play each other. Want how you solve that problem? Make it to the World Series. If you want to see two teams play that don't play each other, make it to the World Series. I mean, <laughs> that's that solves that problem. So why manufacture... Two teams playing each other, where that has no meaning or anything, but they're two different, they're opposite, and then forcing one team to uh, to uh, play a different style. As far as with an AL team going into an NL ballpark, they'd have the pitcher out the back, or an NL team going into an AL ballpark, and they'll have to have a DH. I mean, just I already don't understand the DH thing, and like I said before, I'm not a purist, and this is why. Because I think they should have they should do away with the DH designated hitter. No, Mm-mm. no, 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 and no. Get rid of it. I mean, it's the same league supposedly, and. You have two different. You have two different styles. Not well. Two different like rule rule sets. AL has a DH and doesn't. AL has a DH and doesn't. Um. Hmm. Could you imagine like uh, something with a uh, football where uh, the AFC had something and the NFC didn't? or vice versa. How about basketball? The Western Conference had something, and the Eastern Conference didn't, or vice versa, like a different rule. And they say, oh, well, when the AL integrated uh, in, or whatever they were called way back when, they just kept that uh, DH, or they just kept... uh, it just they just kept that. Well okay. The the NFL had a had 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 a league merge into them, you know, that. <laughs> what was it, the the AFL I think or something? So um ah, that really doesn't and they kept a one set of Rule for uh, both leagues, to the best of my knowledge. I I don't know. I have been uh, drinking a lot of water today. Maybe that like discombobulated my mind or something, and I'm just woo. Okay, big words, too many. <sighs> Let's get back to back to normal here. But anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, they should they should do away with the DH. Period. And just have a level playing field, I should say, because with the DH, the, the game's fast. There's more offense. for Obvious reasons. The pitcher's not out there uh, running around. Uh, uh, and the DH people would argue is like, oh yeah, but the pitcher's um, the pitcher are are, are are facing nine nine bats in the lineup, where in the NL that pitcher's only facing eight eight bats. Yeah, he's facing eight bats. But guess what? He's also uh, batting himself. I mean, well, like I say, it, it can be argued either way. But I just think that there should be one one set of rules for uh, both leagues. One set. And this whole all-star game is just... where the winner gets the home field, that's just... Oh, that's just so, so... Thoughtful. And so, well, and such a good thing. Yeah, it's it's the best thing that they ever came up with since the, the invention of <laughs> the knee guards for Catch-It. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. I've wasted too much time on this. Uh, next, I'll like next. I'm gonna talk about um, MMA because uh, I don't know if you know or if anybody really keeps up with M- MMA. I do. I have. I started like back in 2005, and I say for about two or three years, I was an avid into it. Um, Then I kind of like slipped off where it's been kind of off and on, and I think now I'm back into it again. Well, well, in the UFC, Kim Shamrock, yeah, he's a Hall of Famous too. Well, he, he, and during his career, he's pretty much on steroids. Yeah, and we all know about steroids, steroids, ooh, dirty, dirty, dirty stuff. Well, he said, "quote When they." the fans, he's talking about the fans, when they find out about it, you know, the steroids uses, they want to stick their heads in the sand. No one wants to take responsibility, but everyone wants to see bigger athletes, end quote. And to his point, I I think there's some truth to that. Everybody wants to see the bigger, the stronger guy, the the, the athlete that because he's gonna dominate. Oh, this, that, oh, you know. Look at baseball. You know, remember that whole period where chicks big the long ball. Yeah. <laughs> so, I can I can see well I can see how somebody would take uh, PEDs, performance enhancer enhanced drugs. But you know, not so much of steroids, but that is a PED because the athlete want that advantage. They want they want to uh, they want to uh, be able to to get an edge. They always looking they always looking for that edge. So that edge leads them to uh, to. Uh, looking into some kind of performance enhancement enhancement drugs, some PEDs. Now, all PEDs don't have this horrible effect on you. I think that kind of getting misconstrued that all PEDs are bad, but all PEDs aren't good either. There's a few that's good that you can go and buy. Well, most of them you can go and buy. But they have adverse long-term effects. But what I'm saying is, there's a few where you can go and buy over-the-counter. Yeah, and they've been out long enough, or they've been around long enough, where you know the you know the effects, like the short-term effects. And when I mean short-term, I mean like you know anywhere from I guess five to six or seven years. I'm not sure on it. Don't quote me. Um, where it doesn't affect your body, or there's some um, chemistry, a uh, biochemistry behind it, where you can look at uh, the receptors and different stuff within the within the cell communication, where it's not gonna uh, have long term or have an effect that's gonna uh, that seem uh, detrimental to your body. So you have some of those pieces out there, but it's banned. Uh, you know, certain leagues and and because it gives you an advantage. So I can understand how, you know, a lot of um, a lot of sports bodies and whatnot would want a level playing field as far as what they don't want anybody uh, taking, you know, PD, like I say, steroids and and human growth hormone and all that other stuff that that uh, like steroids and on the and, and the pro hormones and stuff, where they have data information that it actually it actually mess you up pretty bad, and you actually now that stuff I'm not talking about because that stuff you you run you stay away from it. I'm talking about the other other things. It's just. uh that just an athlete or somebody would use and that would be being a, a PED that's completely legal and that's completely uh, uh, won't have uh, that much of an av- adverse effect or it won't have an adverse effect on you at all and no I'm not going to sit here and just name off a whole heap of list of, it, of this stuff because it's out there if you want to google it it's out there Look, look at it because like all the media does is point at steroids and human growth hormone and, a, and pro hormones and a few other things, but and they lump all the PEDs in this huge category when there's actually different categories. So I can understand Kim Shamrock when you say nobody wants to take responsibility and everyone that wants you know bigger athletes is that that is true. But at the same time, you have to you have to understand you have to play by the rules too. So if you do want this uh edge or um uh, or want to use um uh, you know something to give you an advantage and if you can't do it, you can't do it, don't do it. If it's not safe, definitely don't do it. Definitely don't do it. So but I think it's glad and I think I'm glad and I and I'm happy for the UFC that that they, uh, that, uh, the UFC, uh, 114, everybody, uh, drug test came back clean. There was no, uh, methamphetamines, no, uh, uh, pot. There was, you know, uh, marijuana, there there was nothing in it. Everybody, everybody came back clean. So I thought that was, uh, so I thought that was a, a a huge thing. (laughs) That, that everybody, everybody's came back clean, but I think there was a, but there was another like the mm-hmm. MMA kind of panel or something, and somebody made the bold claim where fifty percent of MMA that's like strike force, UFC, you know, all those different entities, mixed martial arts, that fifty percent of the people in the in the sport. Uh, use some kind of PED or something. Well, you know, um, when you make claims like that, it it gets attention. Whether good or bad, it's that's on the individual person. And I don't know too much about the actual details, so I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, really give my opinion on it. But fifty percent is half, and I'm just gonna say, if the UFC, then you figure that fifty percent would be, you know, somewhere between fifty percent with each lead. Well, he just had the UFC 114, I think a month ago or so, and nobody and nobody came back positive. Everybody came back clean. So it was fifty percent. The numbers would have been at least one at least one person. And then this upcoming event, uh, one fifteen, at least four, because you know you gotta maintain the fifty percent with this league or somewhere close to it, and the next league have over fifty or the next league have about fifty. See, the average has to average out to be fifty if you claim claiming fifty percent of the MMA. But don't get me wrong, though. I don't know if it's fifty, but it's something that's there. Because Ken Shamrock came out and said it, and I think during his last fight he actually failed a drug test, but he said it was something that he took over the town, and he vehemently denied it. So, so, I don't know if the number is high as fifty, but it's it's definitely it is definitely somewhere out there and maybe more, maybe 20 maybe 15 30 it, it, it's out there don't get me wrong it is out there and like i said steroids and all that other crap that can destroy your body it's it's bad it's horrible but regular peds uh i i don't know you have to go down a, a list and and we have to go check by check but but if you can't do it don't do it if you don't know what you're doing don't do it it's that stuff's bad. But, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, the main event though, uh, Chuck Liddell and, uh, Rich, Rich Franklin, both guys, uh, weighed in at two Oh five. Chuck Liddell's a great, 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 uh, fighter. But, uh, he might be on this, uh, last leg. You know, if he lose, he probably more likely he going to give it up. And I know, uh, I know uh, Dana White uh, is gonna say, "Hey, you know, you had a good career. Thank you for what all, what all you've done for the sport, but hey, it's time to go." So I think it'll be an agreement on on that, uh, uh when he loses or if he loses against uh, against Rich Franklin. But it should be, it definitely should be a good match. I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be looking forward to uh, watching it because because uh, uh, that's. That's, that's going to be, that's going to be, it's going to be a good, good fight. I mean, it's, it's definitely something that, uh, that, uh, you should check out. If you, uh, if you, uh, was a fan of boxing way back in the day or at one point, because MMA, UFC, striker force, all that stuff is like, it's a new boxing. it's, it's like, well, it, we are obviously it's not boxing, it's mixed martial arts, but as far as with the hype and the energy and the flow and this and that, it's, it's there. It's everything boxing was, once was, and it is, and it's taken it to an extremely different level, a different level. Well, I think that's, that's just about it. That's, that's all I wanted to talk about. Uh, today on this uh, live show, I would like to uh, thank all my listeners for uh, listening in. Uh, it's going to be available uh, to download uh, on uh, on podcasts on iTunes. You can check out uh, my website at vdgsports.com. And until next time, peace out.